Pumandla on cliffcentral.com. Hey, it's 12 and it's Wednesday. I'm Pume Mashiro and you're listening to Womandla. Now, as it always happens around this time, it's my favorite month of the whole year. It's spring, but it's also heritage month. And my twist on heritage always, I am bringing you one of the doyens of women's magazines and food literature in South Africa. Mum Dora Sitole is here to chat with us today about her journeys, about her recipes, and more importantly, about her life. Womandla on cliffcentral.com. I'm deeply excited to have you here today because being Heritage Month, uh-huh. and, and I like to look at heritage as more than just what, what we wear. More than just how we speak. For me, heritage is everything that I've inherited. Uh-huh. And my favorite topic is food. <laughs> food, okay. Aungbon is food. No, I don't know where it goes. I see nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I, and, and for me, Mam Dora, I think you, um, when it comes to what I think of as heritage, you're one of the the standards, the golden standards okay. of what we've been handed down because you are an institution. Thank you. <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to women's magazines, black women's magazines mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. For as long as I have been reading magazines, You've you seen my have name. been I've seen your <laughs> name and your picture next to the recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And I feel like, and I feel like as I've grown up, mm-hmm. I've also seen you becoming, and, and one of the things that I always say to my friends is this is how you see yourself growing up. You don't see yourself grow up when you look at yourself in the mirror every day. Yeah. But when you see somebody and you go, Oh, you know, she's older. She's, she's grow- how? Mom, Doralo. Yeah. Yeah. As you're going. <laughs> <laughs> I've been able to measure my growing up mm-hmm. with seeing you in all these magazines. Yeah, as I as I grow up, you grow up. <laughs> as I grow up, as I age, you age. <laughs> and, and as I've, my children have their children, you have your children. <laughs> and I've seen, and I've also seen a, a, a change in how you've you've taught us how to cook as black uh-huh. women in this country. From just Jay, the standards of the stews and the whatever to when you, when the book came out came to Cairo yeah. was so exciting for me because I've always wondered what other people eat. Yeah, in other parts of the of the country. In other parts of the continent. Yeah, the continent and the world as well, you know, but mainly the continent. What so let's start with where it all begins. Did you always know that you were gonna be uh, this Goddess of the kitchen. <laughs> no, not at all. Not by any chance. You know, I, I always like say to people, I'm actually inherently a very shy person. And I grew up being very shy. Like you cannot put me in a meeting and expect me to make positive contributions because I'm always second guessing myself. So we understand that if you're like that, you don't really think Guti, you could be anything big, but you know Guti, you want things to happen. You know that you've got ambitions. You know that you want a good, a great life, but you kind of like think it actually belongs to other people, not me, because I'm very shy. You've got to be jajarach <laughs> to be able to achieve <laughs> to these things. <laughs> so how did you get, how did you, at a time when, 
all black women were becoming teachers and nurses and social workers. How did you decide that what you wanted was to be a food stylist? Um, I never decided. You How know, did like, it come about? It's almost, for me, it's almost like divine intervention of some sort because I think because my father was a teacher, my aunts were teachers, I actually thought I had it in me to teach. But then I was like, how will I stand in front of a classroom of children when I'm shy? You know, because I can see my aunts are quite loud, you know, <laughs> and um, I'm not like that. So, but then um, I had to like, after my trick, find something to do because it was quite obvious that I wouldn't be able to go to varsity, which was very sad for me because I was quite a good performer at school. I was very quiet, but I was quite brilliant at school and I was one of the top performers in, in school. And, you know, bless my mother's soul in a way. I think she had a, a quite a hard time raising us all by herself. So it was almost like when I get got to matric, she felt like I needed to start helping her. And also I felt like I needed to start helping her. So I had to Were finish. Were you the eldest? Pardon? Were you the eldest? eldest? Yes, I'm the eldest. Of? Of four. Of four. And all my siblings were still at school, so I had to start working. So, and then uh, I've always been fortunate in that when I finished matric, I actually found a very good job at Market Research Africa. And so I started working in research. But I mean, I was restless and I always like felt, I don't belong here. I should be at varsity. What am I doing here? I'm very good academically and I'm shifting papers here, you know, like I was very restless in that, in my first job. But then at the same time, I had this um, hobby. At that time, I thought it was a hobby of cooking. I loved cooking. So I just kept myself busy cooking. Every weekend, I would be cutting out papers. You know, that time, I think there was a column in Sunday Times called NYs. I would be like collecting recipes and trying out recipes and baking. And just if now I was working, I could buy the ingredients myself. And my mother wasn't interested in cooking. She was a very good dressmaker. She was brilliant. So food to her was like, you just eat to survive. <laughs> so now I could like... Make sure to the family it's good food, and it just started from there. And I just like was. So how did you get into into, into working into commercially working commercially with food? I think it's just being restless in that office in market research and thinking, you know, like you because I'm I was I'm good at what I do all the time, and I was getting promoted. I was now a supervisor, supervising all these women. I'm like, you know, actually at the end of the day. I'm supervising women who are doing quite a a boring job, you Mm. know. And I think I was just wanting to do something, but I didn't know what. And at the same time, I wanted to study through UNISA and then I got married. So, (laughs) (laughs) so like, okay, but I'll still study. But then, um, just, it's it's just somehow happened that, um, my husband was in, human resources and had a friend who was looking for someone to do cooking demonstrations for a company called the canned food advisory service. And, um, I think my husband being my husband, he always like was my like groupie. He was like, Oh, my husband, my, my, my wife cooks very well. She's brilliant. Do you want to get, give her a try? And then this woman is like, you know, they're actually looking for a home economist, but let her come. You know, and then I remember going for this interview, my husband driving me to Highlands North to meet with this lady. And I had my eldest son, his late now, Sfiso, on my lap. And I was wearing this beautiful skirt from Penelope Roy with like artwork at the bottom. And Sfiso and Kamela. And- <laughs> 
the burden of a mother. So you arrived for the job interview yeah, with, this with big the big patch. Now I have my bag in front, <laughs> hiding this big patch. I'm coming. I'm like, oh my baby. And then I'm sitting there, and I, I was like, you know, what do I do? I just like told this lady, hey, this has just happened to me, and she just kept up laughing. And somehow we just connected. You know, connected. And I was like, I don't have any training, but I'm a brilliant cook. And I had like a notebook. I still have it with all my recipes that I used to cut and paste. And she was like, so surprised. Really? I'm like, yeah. And all the recipes that are in the, I've cooked them. I've tried them because I don't paste the recipe that I haven't tried. Because if I have tried it and I don't like it, why should I have it in my book? So all this, you know, mm. so she was so impressed and give, gave me the job like immediately. Wow. So, yeah. So I walked to my kind of like, yeah, I've got the job. <laughs> So that's how I came into food. And my boss was like such a lovely, lovely woman. Cause she was a qualified home economist. So she said, no, what you can do whatever training you want to do. So that's when I started doing my cotton blue chefs course, did cake icing. You know, I did everything that had to do with food. I also did a, a, a course in nutrition because I just felt good. You can't just cook and not know what goes into your food. And besides, I, even then I believed in healthy eating. So yeah, so that's how I started, so and then I grew is, from there. And this is deep in the eighties when when it was nineteen eight. Fiso was born in nineteen seventy nine, so he was still a baby. It was nineteen eighty when I got my job. And at, this is at, at a time when, in South Africa, just speaking of of our past and the heritage that we have, this is also a time in South Africa where there were very few opportunities. Very few, and and you, even women who drove then, you know. Like now I had this company that would take me to driving school and I had a car. I was driving. Yeah. And yeah, it just it, opportunities were so scarce and so rare. There was no equal opportunity. There was no affirmative action. So you really had to hustle. And when you, know. you went back home to say to your mother, this new job of mine is this. How did your mother take that? You know what? I think all my mother, my mother, her friends, they were just happy that I'm going to get a company car. <laughs> they had no clue what I was going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> For them, it was like, I'm going to have a car. It was like, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then with time, I mean, cause my, my job is quite visible. What I do, people see. Cause they, the main thing was to go to schools. Like I used to go to, um, home economic students. To teach them about the the canned food, canned foods, you know, um, the 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 nutrition, the health aspect, how the food gets into the can, and I was like, yeah, this pro when it came to canned foods. So I mean, the schools and people got to know me so quickly because schools used to call me left, right, and center. And I told you when I started good, I thought I was shy. That went out of the window because now I was standing in front of these. Many, many students, and those days students were quite wild, but they would just keep quiet, and I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> I can command respect. Yeah, and, and even uh, now I meet girls maybe old, much older than you. I mean, that time you probably were not born yet. <laughs> <laughs> so the schools that I went to, they are mothers now, and they're like, I know you from Esiana Marena. I know you from such and such a school, Orlando West High. You came and taught us how to make trifle at such and such a school. And like, wow, you know, it says it's almost like you feel like you've touched so many lives. And I'm like, I mean, little me who thought I was shy, couldn't say a word. Here I am touching so many lives, you know. And then I just, I mean, that just showed me good. You can achieve anything. And I told myself, good. 
I'm not going to be just a cooking demonstrator. I'm going to grow beyond that. I will be the best in this industry. And from from there, I then joined True Love. Actually, uh, at True Love, they they had hunted me, and because they wanted to change the magazine to be more of a women's magazine because it was more general interest. So they wanted it to be have a strong women's. Uh, Section, so they asked me to come and join them as food editor of Drum Publication, which was then Drum, True Love, and City Press. So I was doing their food, all the three publications, but mainly uh, at True Love, I was doing the food and I was doing the home front section, parenting, crafts, and all you know everything that had to do with the woman at home. So you you became a, a, a celebrity. I think so. I didn't. Those days, we didn't. That way didn't exist. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you were you were a worker. You were just working to do the best that you can, you know. And people were like say, "Hey, Sigmund, go TV," and that was oh yeah, so that's fine. But the word celebrity didn't didn't exist. Everyone was just working and just really getting on with their lives, you know. And as as a as a wife, then you know, getting on with your life, doing very well at at work, as a wife, and then a mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> and a mother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after Uspiswak Kamel. Uspiswak, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, showers of blessings. How did you juggle? How did you juggle that, that job and the job of being a mother and the job of being a wife and, and making it all a success? Um, you know, I sometimes think I'm, I'm blessed in that I always think of my work, the type of work that I do as an extension of my lifestyle, you know, because I'm doing something that will make my family happy anyway. I cook good food, you know. <laughs> Was that your so, husband's thing? Is, yeah. that, is that how you got him? Were you the, the, I got him through the stomach. Did you, um, did you start the date, my family? Did you cook him for No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think when we got married, we were just in love. I don't think he even knew I could cook well. He knew I could cook, but. You bonus. You know, yeah. Well, that is just, bonus. Yeah. Because, you know what? Quite frankly, cause I came from a community of girls, you know, like we met at church. So in our youth group, I think all the girls knew how to cook. So I wouldn't like say he chose me because I cooked better than everyone else. He just loved me. I want to think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then game, my passion grew and grew and made everyone happy, I think. And I was just the best Makoti ever, you know. Ah. Yes, I came M- in. Jore, and were you that Makoti that arrived for all the parts? Yes. You are the one that set us all up. Ah, uh, not really, because, um, I loved what I was doing. <laughs> so were you I the, enjoyed doing it. Uh, I, I came running. Number two, there's a feast there. You know, okay. because for me, yeah, I still had the energy and the passion and I love to be praised. So would you then arrive and small as you were then take over all the big parts? Take over, take over, take over. And yeah, but then slowly, slowly you're like, hmm. This taking over is wearing me down physically <laughs> because no one helps me. They stand with notebooks. So if I get any lap, so if I get up, like, you know what? It would help if you'd rather put your pen down and take a knife and chop with me, you know? But yeah, but I loved it. I enjoyed it. And, and at that stage, my, 
you know, my in-laws were getting married. It was a big family. Everyone was getting married. So I was forever cooking, baking wedding cakes. I loved it. I think it was a phase in my life that, yeah, it served its purpose at that time. And I have no regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I've got my in-laws or cousins would still say, hey, that wedding cake you baked for me. And I was baking wedding uh, birthday cakes for kids. Yeah, it was a phase of my life that I really, really loved. But also it taught me good to, I'm actually not a caterer. <laughs> <laughs> so catering, yeah, I just scratched that off my list. And I said, I'll be a food writer and a food stylist. And I'll go to the top of that. You How know? important was that? Knowing what you are not in helping you shape your career, knowing what you're not and what you're not good at. How important was that? I think it's important because you get focused. You focus. You don't have learned to go to, so-and-so is catering and he's making so much money. I think I can cater. Go to your heart is not really there. You know, mm. I don't think my heart is there. And, and I've known that for a long time. But my heart is in writing, in traveling, in compiling, in collecting, in talking to people, knowing what they eat, what knowing what makes them tick, putting down. I think I am a writer as well. You know, so I was able to, that's where my passion is. And that's why even now I'm supposed to be retired, but I'm not retired because <laughs> I still write, I still cook. You, I cannot pass. Mara, your that. job is not a retiring kind of job. No. It's not. This I'm is re- that job. I'm refiring. <laughs> <laughs> and and putting together, so your Cape to Cairo book, when you were putting this book together, did you travel to all these places? I traveled. I went to 19 African countries. Wow. And well, I, I'm not counting. I'll, I'll count South Africa as one. But I went to all the corners of South Africa, everywhere, Eastern Cape, Western Cape, you know, and then Swaziland. Swaziland, I'll count as a, count as a country, Lesotho, Botswana. I went all over. But obviously, Africa is big. You know, I, I believe I still have the energy and I would love to travel to the other countries that I didn't manage to go to. And what, what's your favorite food from the continent? I really can't say. You know, everywhere, yeah. It just shows good. I love food. <laughs> and, you know, like I'll get somewhere, I'll get to Zanzibar and I'm like, wow, the food here, no African country can match this. This is just like, and you can't believe Zanzibar is a, it's a, it's a country of spices where spices it's originate spicy. from. So the food is a mixture of Arabic, Indian, African. It's just like so exotic. And then I get to Senegal and I'm like, wow. This food, I've never tasted these things before. I mean, like palm oil. It was my first time, you know, eating food that had palm oil. And then like, oh, wow. And everything is just so exotic. We go to Morocco. It's a different feel, the couscous. And so every country that I went to, typical of me, I just fell in love with that food. And I just felt good. it's the best compared to anywhere else. But and then I'd come back home and like nothing. No mushu, and then you know, yeah. So that's how I am. You know, I just if you were to put together your ultimate heritage feast for South Africa feast, what would you put in it for South Africa? Yeah, event? yeah. I suppose I'd want to stay South African. Cause you know, sometimes it worries me. It's easy for us to embrace other things from other countries. Like f- 
for now couscous is fashionable you know it's like it's trendy and i'm like but why is samp never trended you know because i mean samp is such a, a lovely lovely grain you know so i'd put together south african food beginning with samp and beans cooked nicely idombolo nice and fluffy and a beautiful maybe tribe stew or oxtail because we eat the animal from nose to tail <laughs> <laughs> everything you know i know but, i made oh, everything has to be cooked beautifully also you know and i know people love plain food but i don't think our food has to be plain i mean your your your, your sampan beans if you add just a, a, a chicken stock to it it just livens it a bit and gives it a nice flavor without overpowering it you know your tribe if you just add even a dash of wine it just gives it a wine yeah i've never and, thought about that yeah white wine it just it's, yeah it, it just gives it like a different you know so yeah it's just we're still using our skipping the essence of everything mm-hmm. you know like you know when you combine umrojo the mm-hmm. pure morojo with spinach mm-hmm. you still get that rural feel but with the spinach toning it down and just making it even nicer and just some mushroom chopped in it and butter well i cook a lot of butter you know i always feel good butter just enhances the the flavor and yeah so i put together an african feast but with little touches that will just lift it up oh yeah <laughs> mm. Just thinking about that. So I'm um, note to self that tribe with white wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be happening at my house quite soon. <laughs> it's going to be trending at my house quite soon. And, and the, the travel did it, did, cause this was quite a recent book. So the traveling, did it happen all at once or did, um, did you do it over a long time? How long did it take you to put it the, took the book two together? Two years to put the book together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, our travel, say to Egypt and come back would feature the recipes in the magazine and then, um, the pictures as well. And then, yeah, so just save everything. So over two years, I traveled to all these countries and then we, I think the book was compiled in like probably six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was the first one. This was the second one. Oh, is this a new one? I haven't seen. Yeah, this which one, one have you Melanie. seen? Melanie. Okay, this is the big one. This yes, is the big one with a black cover with the hard with cover. The hard cover. Yes. That was the first one. Yes, this is the second one because then after that I went to other countries. Like in the first one, there is no Ethiopia, there's no oh. Egypt. Yes, so then I added those countries that I went to. Then, but then we decided to update the book and have everything that was in the first book. Kind of oh, short, yes. and then added other recipes, and so everything now in this book was shot in studio, and styled in studio. Did you style all of this food? I was I was having a conversation with Neo earlier about food stylists, uh-huh. and, and and how when you see the food, and this is always my gripe. I'm even knowing the behind the scenes of how it happens. When you see that food on that TV ad, and it's like tumbling down slowly, yeah. and then you go and you buy it. And it, you open the pack and it's like. It's different. There. <laughs> you know, it's not the same. Yeah. And then you see a picture in the magazine and you cook the dish and it doesn't look the same. Yeah. <laughs> My worst nightmare about recipe books. <laughs> that disappointment I can never get over. It can't 
be a disappointment because I mean, whatever you cook, if you follow the recipe, you'll be close to. <laughs> Not unless you've done something wrong, but I mean, it will be close. But then, you know, Gucci, with with photography, it's the lighting. It says spinach that hasn't cooked through. Mm. You cook it, you just blanch it so that it retains the color and you the know. shape. Because spinach is yes. my worst one; it's always so blare. Yeah, but I mean, for pictures, you have to. Yeah, you don't cook things through, especially like veggies. But the meat you will cook through because you want it to look like it's falling off the bone, mm-hmm. you know. So there is a technique to food styling, definitely. And that's why you have even specialized food photographers who specialize in lighting food and who will work with you and you always have to have a synergy between you and your photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't think alike, you won't produce, you know, good... Um, Good-looking uh, food. Good-looking food. <laughs> Yeah, so there is a skill to it, and and I think that's what I love about uh, maybe doing what I do. Because, for instance, if you are a caterer or you work, you you know you work in a hotel, you produce the same food all the time. You've got like a standard menu, but if you are a um, a magazine food editor, you produce different foods all the time. You you play around with food, you, you know, you know, the trends, you set the trends, you, you know, the styling is exciting. You is, know, it's, yeah. So is your daughter a good cook? Um, I've got two daughters. Mm-hmm. Ayanda is okay. <laughs> she can cook, but Pumi has a passion. Pumi cooks sometimes. You've I got think... a daughter named Pumi. I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was a moment. I didn't know that. <laughs> Pumi cooks, Pumi cooks and she experiments and she can make, you know, the strange thing is that as much as I think like I know things, I think when she was still at UCT, she said, mom, I've just found this brilliant recipe and I'm going to try it out when I get home at Kushuti in Cape Town. It's a beetroot cake, beetroot chocolate cake. So I'd heard about beetroot chocolate cake. That's probably what, when she started uh, varsity, it was probably six years back. I was like, um, okay, but I haven't really like had the interest in trying it out. And yeah, so when she came for holidays, she made it. You know what? It became my recipe now. I talk to, talk about it as if it's mine. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> but she cooks. She's now in New York, so she's like experimenting with everything in New York, and she's forever cooking. And friends are forever like around her because of her beautiful cakes. And yeah, Pumi cooks. Oh, well, wow. she's an actress, but I think she's got a very strong love for food. Well, here's something else that can help parents, tutors at your service. Here's good news for parents, especially working moms who know how hard it is juggling kids' homework and extra lesson needs with your own busy schedule. Tutors at your service. Tutors at your service, run by Teresa and Amanda, who are both educators and mothers themselves, specializes in all school subjects from grade Nord to matric, including homework supervision. Parents, you do not have to drive anywhere as these tutors travel to your home. Tutors at your service have received excellent results over the past 10 years and come highly recommended. Contact Teresa and Amanda on 082-217-2077. That's 082-217-2077. Or go to tutorsatyourservice.co.za. They will not only understand your kids' needs, but your needs as well. Womantla on cliffcentral.com. 
today when you see when you see your daughters and you look around and all the the young women that you you meet and that you've inspired mm-hmm. right if you were to grow up today redo it a redo what would you advise your younger self today knowing what you know having the all the knowledge and experience and the life behind you it's almost like i should just leave her as raw as she is so that she can experiment with everything it's almost like now if i advise her i'll kind of give her a formula and sometimes it's good to go through life without a formula you know and just let um let it be you know because maybe i could say to her be more assertive uh be sure of what you do you're doing okay don't but then uh what does that do to one you know um you become arrogant maybe because you think i'm good at this you know my 60 year old self has told me which i'm very good at this and this is going to make me famous you know mm. i don't know i have a feeling like i'll just leave her be you know and let her make her mistakes and learn from them and uh experiment because um, you know traveling is is good but Traveling in Africa is also challenging. Really? How so? In terms of, uh, especially the customs, you struggle with your passport. Sometimes I remember this one time in Senegal, my photographer's passport disappeared for like half a day. So it's always like scary, you know, but you want to go there. You still go back. But I think now when I'm older, like, I don't know. I think it's nice to go into things blind. And hustle and succeed, mm. you know, because maybe I would sit back and say, Ish, but you go and see my passport, but you go, but I'm a toilet, but you know. Mom, Dora, you have another traveling thing and the toilets. This is my, my big thing. If, if I tell anybody anything about traveling, it's just, you know, just be wary of toilets. Because we are so spoiled here in South we Africa. Are, we are. <laughs> we are so spoiled and we don't know. And not just Africa, the but the whole there. world, like Eastern Europe, like, oh. India. India. <laughs> yeah. So. That's a, so that's fascinating. And, and what about young, young ladies venturing into the world? We, we live in a vastly different world. And my friends and I always have a conversation about, you know, when, when our mothers, when you were raising us, you didn't know the world would be like this. Mm-hmm. And you did a pretty damn good job, I think, of preparing us for this world yeah. that we're living in now. Mm-hmm. But when, when young people come into the workplace, even for me, young ladies coming in as interns, it's always so fascinating to see them wild-eyed like that and going into everything blind. Yeah. But sometimes I, I, I want to tell them about the challenges that maybe we've had. I want to tell them about what to look out for. What's your advice to young women coming into the workspace in media? Especially now that there's the celebrity world out yeah. here. I, I, I wish I could tell them that they must just um, work hard. Hard work 
always gets rewarded. And they must be humble. You know, and they must go in yearning to learn. They've already, I think, um, a lot of young people now have such good education. You know, but go into the working world telling yourself, because you don't know it all. Be prepared to learn and humble yourself. You know, and let nothing go into your head. And work hard, because that will be rewarded. And just, just be nice, you know. Just be kind, just be nice to people. Respect people, respect yourself. And learn more, yearn to learn more, to educate yourself even more. And and just to give back when we have enough, you know. And um, don't be, don't get things go to your head to a point where you want to yearn for being a celebrity, yearn for fame, rather yearn for happiness and success, you know, and... Yeah, and about being a working mother, I've enjoyed being a working mother. It's it's. I was um, blessed with a very good husband, very supportive husband. I don't remember my husband saying "Yo, Zula, too much," you know. (laughs) No, and I don't remember him. He was always like in my corner. You know, I think the one thing when he passed away, I was like, oh my word, that's the one person that kind of like always praised what I did, you know, even if my children were not away, he'd be like saying, oh, my story, yo, you know, so he was always like my groupie in a way. So I was lucky in that I had a husband like that and I'm not saying um it will be easy for everyone. Maybe it was easy for me because I had a very supportive husband and who actually was not interested in traveling that much. Not that he wasn't interested. He would travel. We traveled for, we always had very fantastic holidays, you know, going all over, especially driving, you know, to places like Zimbabwe. And, but, um, like in his work, he didn't travel a lot. So he was always at home. So, but then also I had, a very good helper. I think we we sometimes take our helpers for granted. I was blessed with very a very good helper who was with me for like 15 years. 15 of the years that I was traveling and really going up in my career. Who auntie was there be, with my kids, loving them and caring for them. 15 years. Yeah, he stayed with me for 15 years and he left because she was old. And now I have a And speak. the kids were old. Well, they, yeah, Pumi was now at university. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I got to Smeggy, who's been with me now probably six years. She's also a darling. And I, uh, I don't know. I've also been blessed with helpers. I just believe good. You have to pray for good helpers. And once you have them in your home, pray for them and love them and cherish them and respect them. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, I've been, I've been liking that I had very good help from home and yeah, so I could juggle. It's it's difficult, you know, Guti. It's difficult because, like, with my eldest son, Usfiso, the one who, <laughs> when he who passed, almost messed up that very important <laughs> job with his little peeing who accident, blessed, <laughs> who blessed, who blessed that interview. He passed away when he was twelve, and one of my biggest regrets then was that maybe if I wasn't a working mom, I would have been there to take more care of him. You know, because he had an asthma attack and I was like, you know, I could have been there to see the little signs. You know, sometimes you have those challenges and those regrets, especially if you have children, especially who are maybe who have a health challenge. 
Yeah, but then what do you do? I mean, no matter how much I can think Uguti, I could have helped it. It was his time. He still would have gone, whether I was at home with him every day, every minute of the day, mm-hmm. you know, because it was his time. So those are the little challenges that come as a working woman because you find yourself regretting certain things with your, and now he's got cement, you know, I could have been there, these crutches, you know, you're always wanting to blame things. Blame yourself. Blaming yourself. Yeah. If I was at home, my child wouldn't have had to go to crash, being so until he's six, which is, yeah. So I think it's just like, <laughs> you've got to just learn, this is life. Your, your children, you can protect them. You can try as much to shield them, but they also, it's, they're on their own journeys. They would have, they will have their own pains and they will fall and get up and, yeah. Sure. <laughs> One of my, I think always when I, when I have conversations with mothers, when I have conversations with older mothers, because I'm always, Wanting to learn from other people's mistakes, right? I don't yeah. want to learn from my own. <laughs> I can short circuit some of the mistakes <laughs> by kind of going. They told me that one will. Yeah, so take you under. <laughs> the the balancing act, and I think a lot of a lot of us young women today don't have the opportunity to have the conversations with our mothers. That says, the balancing act must have been hard. The balancing act is hard, but it's got to be there. You've got to do it. As much as I used to travel a lot and I was away from home, but when I was home, I was home. You understand? My weekends are always at home. I'm very homely in a way, and I, I enjoy my own company. And I used to, now I feel I f- sometimes I feel lonely because all my kids are gone. But. I Isn't sure. it better though that you have grandkids, Evan, that come and yes, play? Yes, I have Sviso now. And yeah, then they go back to their parents. To their parents, yeah. <laughs> Once I feel like I now want my me time, the parents Enough. take him. Yeah. But, um, I was always a very homely, homebound person. So my travels, yeah, I, as much as I would feel guilty, but I knew good in a weekend when I'm home, I'm home. And when I'm home and I'm not traveling, uh, my kids never traveled to transport to go to school. Even when we were living in Soweto, I made sure I take them to school. I drove from Pimville to Senton every day with them because that was quality time for me. You know, the, the idea you go to buy genetics in with 16 other kids for me was just, I know other p- parents do it and they have no option and I don't blame them for that. But for me, mm-hmm. it was something that I chose to do to transport my children all the time and to make sure Gucci, every December we go on a holiday and spend quality time. So in between your, your being a working mother, I think you have to like make time for your children, you know, and yeah, and I've never been, I don't know. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I've never been in my mama society. Like in a weekend in your society, in a, oh, pure society. In a, I've mm-hmm. never, so mm-hmm. I've, I'm always at home making sure which in a weekend I cook my kids' meals and, you know. Sometimes I look at our mama society in Yabakhale and I'm like, hey, they've got <laughs> friends, but I don't know. For me, I found good because I work and I don't spend time with my kids. 
that was your time. Yeah. And looking back at at your illustrious career, looking back at all the things that you've you've done, I know I know you you keep the clippings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be good about that. <laughs> yes, because you you that, that's fondest what, memories. Your fondest you memories. Yo, mbuya lapaya, and look at me then. I was just like 30, and I was already achieving things. It's nice. Keep them all. Cut them out, paste them, put them somewhere. <laughs> and what's your fondest memory? My fondest memories. Besides the traveling, I think the traveling enriched my life in a way that, in ways that I would never have known, you know, like... Because I've been to, I mean, to Arabic countries like Egypt, Morocco, West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, you know, Uganda, Tanzania, Zanzibar. I have to say, I mean, there's nothing to compare with that. And now that you have all this time ahead of you, now that you don't have the kids to worry about anymore, and you've got all this time, that's all your time is now me time, basically. (laughs) (laughs) It is. What's what's ahead? What's ahead? The one thing that's in my heart, I want to start my cooking school. That has to happen. Can I sign up, Manji? Please do. (laughs) At least I'll have one student. Even if I don't get anyone signing up, I'll have one student. That's, yeah, that's the closest to my heart now to study cooking school because I just feel good. I've got all this skill and all this knowledge. And, and I think teaching people to cook is such fun in itself. You know, it's just cooking like, is such fun. Yeah. Eating is even more fun. Yeah. But I'd also still would love to travel Africa. I'd love to bring out a book, maybe a big book on, almost like a cooking Bible on Africa as a whole. Because I mean, here I've done what, about 20 countries. Africa is what, about 56? I know I won't go to all of them, but. Um. Before, before I let you go with the 56, um, so 20 countries that you've been to all over Africa. Where do I find all these ingredients? I know I'll find the book at exclusive books, but you know, sometimes when I, when I hear about African food and what other people eat, like palm oil and plantain and that stuff, uh-huh. where do you find it in Johannesburg? At the Congo market in Yeovil. In Yeovil. And it's a very nice market. And I'm not just saying that. It's a very nice market, Congo market. You, but then the thing is, um, a lot of them, like about couscous, you find it everywhere. A lot of the double palm oil you find. Um, I've made like alternatives, which if you can't find the cassava, you can maybe instead of cassava use sweet potatoes, but you do get the cassava at the Congo market. Mm. You know, it's right at the end of your well, If you I ask which exactly was the Congo, where that is. Yeah. So most of the ingredients you'll find there, they've got plantain, they've got cassava, they've got most of morojo, the morojos that come from other parts of the country. They'll have palm oil, I think, you know, and then Ethiopian ingredients, you can get them from there, that Ethiopian restaurant in Maboneng. Ah, yeah. Okay. And, well, you can't get the maize that they use to make in they call it teff, mm. the one that they use to make injera. Mm. But you can then buy injera. You know, especially if you go on Sundays to Market on Main and go to the Ethiopian stall, you can buy injera from there. But most of the things that go into their dorowats and whatever, 
those are easily available because that's basically a stew. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mamdora, thank you so much for coming out. My thank you for, for the me. conversation. I, now, now I just want to go home and eat. Actually, <laughs> eat something. Eat. But I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna go check out the Ethiopian market. I've never been. I've, I've never seen it in my wedding. But every time I go there, my head is full of all sorts of other things. Oh, you did, I'll go check it the out. The Ethiopian stall. Yeah, I'll go it's check it out. It's close to where you get the ma ma. Why? What what are those things that get you fold like cigars? Oh yeah 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know where you're saying it is. But it's, yeah, it's I'm just there. It's a small it stall, and yeah, you can get injira and the other little things. That's yeah. what I'm doing this Heritage Month. Thank spring you very roll, much. Spring roll. Thank you very much for coming to chat with us. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and and amazing amazing life. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure, and thanks for having me. <laughs> Womandla on cliffcentral.com.